there are not a lot of things you can control, but you can control your mindset. Assume that you know nothing. Be humble. It's important because you will learn so much more if you assume that. The Startup Sensations podcast. First-hand accounts of the real stories behind the successes, challenges, and opportunities of starting and growing a startup company. From both sides of the pond. With Bulent Osman and Shelley Bays. And welcome back to another episode of the Startup Sensations podcast with me, Bulent Osman. And this time, I am uh, just outside a place called Kalkan on the southwest Aegean coast of Turkey. Enjoying a little bit of sunshine, Shelley. What about you? Well, I'm still on the northern California coast where it is sunny all the time. Absolutely. And and I'm really excited today because we have another co-founder and CEO, a female co-founder and CEO. You know this woman. She's doing amazing things in the biotech industry, uh, really helping to save lives around the world, really, isn't she? Absolutely. Um, So this is Gilly Regev, and she is the CEO of Sanotize. Um, She's up in Vancouver, and she is an extremely passionate leader. She is inspirational. She's done many, many hard things in her life and certainly driving this company forward. So I think you'll find this a very, very interesting interview from the standpoint of understanding the, maybe not the technicalities of running a company, but all those other things that go into the mix of inspiring a team and building a team and all of those kinds of things. So I'm looking forward to this conversation. And I'm delighted to welcome Gilly Ragev, who joins us now from uh, Vancouver in Canada. Gilly, uh, welcome to the show. How are you today? Hello. Thank you for having me. Great. Hi, Gilly. Nice to see you. Hi, Shelley. So, Gilly, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, you're the co-founder and CEO of Sanotize, uh, based, of course, in Vancouver. Can you please uh, tell us what Sanotize do? Uh, what, what is the company all about? And what is your specific role within the business? So I'm, I'm the CEO of Sanotize. I've started the company together with my co-founder back in 2017. But that's after we've worked together for many years, trying to figure out how to use nitric oxide to treat infections. And the goal is really to, to save people's lives, to change the quality of life of, of billions of people around the world. Nitric oxide is such an incredible molecule. And I know it's funny, but it, it, was, it won the molecule of the year in 1992, which is it's, it's a bit funny to people that molecule can win something, it, especially since it's a natural molecule. It produces in our body naturally, almost in every cell in our body. And nitric oxide was um, discovered years ago as is, is an important secondary messenger in our body. So it helps release blood vessels. And then it was used inhalation with pressurized gas cylinder. It's a gas molecule to treat blue babies and basically increase, release blood vessels and turn them from blue to red very quickly, which was a huge breakthrough. And my co-founder, Chris Miller, was, was part of this development, came from this inhalation. And when we met, we were trying to figure out how can we deliver nitric oxide without the pressurized gas cylinders? Because nitric oxide is an incredible antimicrobial molecule. It kills bacteria, it kills viruses, it kills fungi in a dose that it doesn't hurt our own cells. 
and it's a natural molecule to our cells. So what's better than that? So we deliver this liquid formulation uh, that can be a liquid, a gel, a cream, that you can deliver it to the site of infection to get rid of, of this microbe and help with different infections. And, and, you know, doctors that hear that are like, oh my gosh, there's so many different diseases that this could be helpful. And reducing drug resistance because it doesn't cause any resistance compared to, you know, antibiotic, which... Everyone knows today that it's not good to overuse antibiotics. And I think the future is in nitric oxide. And you had a really interesting uh, sort of opportunity with COVID. Yeah, it was it was a good opportunity for the company and a, and a great experience in really saving people's life. Because we realized early on when people were just talking, we know we have a liquid that kills viruses. And prior to the pandemic, we've done a lot of studies in the lab showing how this liquid very, very quickly can, can kill flu, influenza. So, and it's funny because prior to the pandemic, every time I used to go on a plane is to take this like little bottle of spray just to put it in my nose in order because that's where the infection starts. So when you travel, you always get sick. When COVID started, we immediately kind of jumped on it, did a bunch of clinical trials. In North America, it was very clear that nitric oxide is an Rx drug, so it's a long development path. But in other countries, it was allowed as a medical device. So we were allowed to go to market very quickly uh, in Israel, in Europe, in Asia, and launched this product, got partnerships around the world. So it, it was very exciting time for us because you want to get this. And, and what I kept hearing from day one, trying to get investment, is, well, nitric oxide has been around forever, but everyone failed. So we got this actually um, nasal spray approved in India as a drug to treat COVID, which was the first time ever in history that nitric oxide was approved by regular regulatory agency to treat uh, an infection. And, and it was a, a really exciting moment for us. And investors listened. Yes, that kind of changed dynamics a little bit and okay, yeah, you you say you can do it, but you actually show that you can do it. So so that changes how people look at you. And what's happened since? Have there been other bodies around the world also approving this particular treatment as it, as it spread? As you know, COVID is kind of a fluid, non-stop changing environment, and it's up and it's down and there are new variants. And we keep showing that nitric oxide works against any variant, but it also works against flu and RSV. So now we're really doing this shift of getting it approved and, and trying to get it approved to treat uh, any upper respiratory infection. We have a study that's going in Europe. They will be recruiting all winter, looking at people that are already positive tested, people that have symptoms and showing that when you treat it with this nasal spray, once you're already even infected, it will get you to heal much faster. So the idea is that we've shown in a clinical trial in India with COVID that you got half the time from positive to negative. So think about it if early in COVID days, I would tell you that you can get out of quarantine seven days instead of 14. Mm. That would be huge, right? Yeah. So, so that's the goal. And treatment is easier in some way um, to prove. It's a, it's a clear path. There are other treatments for flu. So it, it's, it's a known path and that's the path we're taking. 
what we would really like is we would really like this to be something that everyone can pick up when they travel, when they just prevent you from getting sick. That would be the next phase. And, and think about how many preventative drugs do you know? <laughs> Very few. They're like, well, you know, toothpaste. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's in some way a preventative, right? It, it, and it's over the counter. So if we want to bring something that's preventative, that's easy to use, it has an incredible safety profile. I mean, we've, we've sold, I don't know, 2 million bottles around the world. Um, and, and we have the pharmacovigilance. We're following up to see if there are any adverse events. It's got an incredible safety profile. So we will keep on it and we'll keep pushing until we get it approved around the world. Yeah, fantastic. That sounds so exciting. So, Gilly, you just articulated some of the real challenges facing a company that is in the sector you're in. But setting that aside, just running a company and starting a company and building a team. And I know you take this very, very seriously. So so tell us a little bit about your philosophy, how you build a team, how you manage a, a team, especially in a difficult industry. I, I started knowing nothing. And I still keep saying to my team, I know nothing. My attitude is usually if, if there is a subject that I don't understand, I learn it. I find the best experts that I can talk to. I'm a people's person and I get good relationships and good connection with people. So I find people that can teach me the subject. Being a CEO can be tough and lonely sometimes and, and you need to make decisions all the time. And, and it's hard. Big and little. Big and little. Yeah. It's, it's exhausting, right? It's nonstop making decisions. And how do you make these decisions? How do you get to these decisions? And, you know, some people may be more confident in like, oh, I know the answer. I like to do my research. I like to understand what are the options. We do everything as a team. I surround myself by really, really smart people and they have expertise in different areas, right? So my chief financial officer would be a great expert in anything that has to do with finance. I don't have to do the decision on my own, but at the end of the day, the CEO is the one that's responsible for any decision that the company is doing. So as long as I'm informed and I understand the situation, I can make a decision. And, and often as a CEO, you make decisions based on partial information. You don't know everything. And there are lots of open questions, but you still need to make a decision. Like we, we had to choose which diseases do we want to treat and move forward. We can do everything. Like when we looked at the option, we've got 60 different diseases we think we could treat. We're a 20 people company. So you need to pick where to go. And you collect information and only time will tell you if you really pick the right one, but you try to collect as much information as you can and make the decision based on what you know. Well, and I guess you, you also have to learn to be agile. If you make a decision and it's apparent that you need to switch direction a bit, you have to be able to do that without feeling like it's the end of the world. And it's easier for a smaller company, right? If, if you take Pfizer to make changes, their direction will take, will take time. It's easier in a smaller company where it's like, okay, we got new information that we didn't know. And I mean, 
with COVID, it was constantly new information that, that kept coming. And, and then at some point, it's like, okay, nobody cares about COVID anymore. So we need to change direction and, and, and look more at influenza because influenza has been there forever and will be forever. I mean, likely COVID will too, but it's constantly changing environment. And you constantly get new information. So you need to, yeah, take this new information and pivot and change. And that's okay. It's easier to do it as a small company. How do you bring the team along with you? Because they won't have had the benefit of the thinking inside your head, although you'll share some of it, of course. How do you keep them motivated and along with you and, and you know, doing the hard things that are, that are necessary? I'm very good at getting people to a consensus. Uh, it's important for me. I, I want everyone to understand why decision is being made. And I think that if you listen, everyone know that their opinion counts. And then you bring it together and you rationalize things. You said, okay, yes, you think we should do this study. We think we should actually do the other study. And let's think through why and talk about this and talk with the team and, and make sure they understand that you really listen to what they say. And sometimes you have to make eventually a decision that not everyone agrees on. But I find that when you surround yourself with the right people, eventually we all come to the same conclusion. One of the things that's really important, Gilly, is, uh, is obviously having that right team of people around you. You mentioned that earlier. How do you select the team around you? What are some of the principles that you've used to, to get the right people around you? Because in a small company, you know, you can't really afford to make too many mistakes, can you, on, uh, on a team of that size? I think one of the things I'm good at is just get good people as instinct. I can really detect good, honest people with high integrity. The skills, you look at the resume, you talk to people that they worked with before, you do all the checks. And it depends on the, where the company is. When we just started the company, we didn't have the money to hire people. So you do everything. And you try to here and there, get advice, get some people. You find ways like giving some options to people, shares in, in the company to, to get some really good advice, but you just don't have the money to hire. And as you grow and develop, then you are you are able to attract more and more talent. And I've seen that whole progress in the company. Is so so you, you grow a little bit and you're able to attract better people and these better people help you get the company to the next phase and then you're getting better people and and often you get somebody with a certain skill set that the company needed a year ago but today I need a different skill set because we've changed so you need to move on and you need to bring different skill sets to the company all the time or if we're going more commercial you need somebody with a commercial skill set if you're doing more r&d you need somebody with that skill set so you adjust you adopt all the time and the better reputation your company has the easier it is to attract people you're exactly right it resonates the values of a company the people working there have to believe in and uphold the values but how do you set values? I mean, you don't just go in one day and say, okay, folks, here are our values. Yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> question because we have our mission and our vision. And then the next step is, okay, what's the values that the company already have? Like you, you are not, the values that you're setting is not where you want to be in five years. Is where are we today? And what are the values that really guide us as a team? So we were sitting all the management together and thinking through what are these values? What's important? And you take about, you know, a list of a hundred values 
and you need to pick five. And there was a beautiful discussion between the executive on really who we are. Some values are a little bit more, you know, traditional. They're a given, okay? Doesn't mean you shouldn't put them on. So, for example, integrity. A lot of companies would have integrity or teamwork as a value. But how does this really come to play in our company and showing on the day-to-day that the integrity, it's doing the right thing even when nobody's watching, right? Is, is that, to me, is integrity. And that leads our company. So integrity got into this list of five important things because even though it's a given, we still think it's very important. But then we went into what else makes us who we are today? And there were two things that were standing out. And one, you can probably see just by watching me talking, passion, right? Without passion, we're nothing. I believe that if you have passion to whatever it is, and I've always said that to my kids, follow your passion, because then you will do it well. If you have the passion, you will do it well. So we want people that have the passion to use nitric oxide to change the world. And it's important to us and helping people, making people's lives better. If you don't care about this, then our company is not the right place for you. So that's one of them. The second is we called it, and it is one of the the five values, undaunted, which is not a traditional um, value, I think, but we are undaunted is who we are. We will not stop. We will fight for what we want. We will do the hard thing. We will push, whether it's trying to push the FDA or pushing employees to work harder on something or anything that we do, we have courage and we can think outside the box. And all of this makes us undaunted. And I think that's an important value. And it was interesting because when we presented these values to the whole company, Everyone looked and said, yes, yes, that, that makes sense. That's who we are. And, and values are not something that you just write on the wall. You have to take them into every single action, every single day-to-day thing that the company is doing and think, do we really follow these values? Or when you recruit people to the company, you look, you look at these values and said, do these people, do we believe that they match these values? Gilly, you mentioned three of them, integrity, passion, and I love this word undaunted. I've not heard that used as a value, but it's a brilliant word. So uh, I've just written that down. Can you just uh, share the other two as well? Uh, so we have your five. Yes. So so excellence and, and the strive for excellence, right? We do our best. You know, I, I always used to tell my kids when they were young that I don't expect you to be the best student in class, but I expect you to do your best. And make sure that everything you do, you do well, you do it properly, you do the best that you can and and strive for excellence. And the last thing, it's teamwork. As I said, we we work as a team. Nobody can achieve anything on their own. And, And you can see it really, I think, intensely in our company we always bring people together and we, we work a lot on Zoom because part of our team is in different places around the world. 30 or 40% of the team is not in Vancouver. So teamwork is so important and crucial to the success of the company. You talk about uh, building a team and you've got your values and you clearly are very clear about the type of characteristics that you look for in the team around you. How does that translate to turning the heads of investors? So how, how's your fundraising experience has gone? What challenges have you faced in convincing 
VCs and other investors to, to, to invest in your business. Fundraising is hard. Yeah. It's really, really hard. If anyone tells you it's not, don't believe them. It's harder in infectious diseases. And it's even harder with nitric oxide where everyone tells you, well, everyone tried and failed. But that's why I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, because that doesn't mean that we will fail forever. Somebody will succeed at some point. And we have. So part of it is just getting the list of the names. And, and you've got different type of investors at different stages, right? When, when you're raising $2 million, it's not like when you're raising $50 million. So it's a different type of investor. And you need to understand what the investor is looking for. And don't take it personally when it's you're just not what they're investing in. And it's okay. And it, it took me a while at the beginning where people would say, no, we, we just don't invest in infectious diseases. You know, I sometimes compare it to um, when, when you love somebody, they want to be loved in the way they want to be loved, not in the way you want to love, right? <laughs> you need to hear, you need to listen to the other person. So when I'm pitching to you, I need to understand what you want to hear from me. What matters to you? Does it matter to you that I'm changing the world? Or does it matter to you how long it's going to take to get an exit? Once you take all this together, then you understand how to talk to investors, how to build a relationship with investors. Once you have investors, and I'm very proud to say that all the investors that we have, I have great relationship with because you build those relationships. You put effort in building those relationships. You keep them close. You make them sure that they know what's going on. There are no surprises. When something goes wrong, investor needs to know that something is going wrong and how you're going to fix it. But don't try to hide it. Be honest. Be open. Having good relationship with your investors will help you find more investors. You know, Gilly, you have a very interesting personal background. So tell us a little bit about that, some of the challenges, some of the things in your early life that were formative in terms of your eventual career in leading Sanitize. It's interesting. Some people, I think, grow up knowing they're going to be entrepreneurs. Um, I was not. I grew up in Israel to parents that worked always really, really hard. And working hard was, was a value that I got from really early days. And then I served in the army in Israel, which everyone serves in the army. And that really gives you discipline and structure on how to do things and accountability. When I got out of the army, I was leading, I was a big leader in the scouts in Israel. And Israel scouts is a little bit different than US. It's like it's boys and girls together. It's a big, fun community. And I had 2,000 people under me there, 2,000 kids. Oh, my gosh. You really learn the meaning of the word responsibility. You're in charge of this. Like 200 grade five kids <laughs> going on a hike. I can picture it. <laughs> That's a huge responsibility. And then after that, I worked as a sommelier for quite a few years during my studies. So once I was doing my PhD, I just fell in love with wine. I don't know if you know, wine is the second most complex fluid after blood, really? which is fascinating. People don't know that. From the scientific perspective, it's the type of the grape and where you grow the grape and how you grow the grape and when you harvest it and how do you do your wine making. There are so many things that impact this. I didn't stay in the scientific side of it. I went into the kind of serving side 
and you get people skills. The tasting side, much more fun. <laughs> the tasting side. The consuming side. Exactly. <laughs> the consuming side, the people side. I love people. And and it's a lot of people skills yeah. and how to talk to people. And, and you, you start knowing all these different types of people, those that like, they know everything and they don't need you to tell them anything to those that really want to learn. So you get to know different personalities. And, and I think that was an important thing during my, my life. Um, being a mother really changes you. And, and I think empathy is something that you, you get when, when you're a parent. Um, I was a single mom for quite a few years and you just have to make it work. You have to do everything together, right? Yeah. And, and you have a full-time job and you raise two kids and and it makes you understand that, you know, oh, if I, if I can do this, I can do anything. And, and I've done a lot of hard things in my life, which I think that what brought me to this, getting to know nitric oxide and understanding that, yeah, it's hard, but it's possible and we can get there. You know, when I met my co-founder and he was telling me about nitric oxide, I'm like, wow, that's that's so fascinating. And we started the company and you realize how hard it is. Yeah. But everything you've learned in life and the skills. And when you, you know, you start a startup in biotech, you've got, I don't know, 2% to survive over three years. Most startups don't succeed. That's right. They fail. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of challenges, being a woman in this kind of role is even more of a challenge in, in many respects. So tell us a little bit about your experiences as a woman in both the business world and in a sector that is is very, very male-dominated still at this point. Yes, it is. But it, it shouldn't stop you from doing anything. It's hard. And again, we were constantly talking about doing the hard thing, right? It shouldn't stop you just because it's hard. It actually makes you better. The more hard thing you do in life, the more satisfied when you look back and you said, wow, I've done it. Women should not try to act like men. Women should be women and women should do things in their own way. The world is changing. Norms are changing. It's unfortunately changing slowly. You know, if I look at the last six years, yes, there've been some change, but it, it is slow. It's a man's world. And it is what it is. The other day we went to a, I went to a restaurant with two colleagues, a male and a female. And at some point I asked for the bill and we got the bill and I put the credit card in and the waiter took it. And then he came back with a credit card, needed a signature and put it just beside the mail. And we're all laughing. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are some norms that I think are slowly changing. And there, there are reasons for this, right? They were Especially when I came to North America, there's a mentality in North America that women stay at home and raise their kids, even if they've done these amazing degrees and have all these capabilities. I think younger people today have a lot more respect to women in business and they understand that, yes, women can be in business and sometimes they're better at it. Definitely. I think women listen better. They don't think they know everything. And again, that's a very much generalization. There are men that are exactly like this, but... When you know that you don't know anything, you eventually get to better answers. You get the right information. You ask, you, you get support, you get help. Humility is so important. Still today, there's so many things I don't know. I just try to, to learn 
I was just laughing the other day. I'm kind of doing a PhD today on how to price shares for <laughs> equity. There, there's everything that I don't know. I, I try to find answer rather than assume that I know. And I feel like that's more of a woman thing. So, so yes, there are things that women can do better. And there are things that women can do as well as men. There's a reason why they try to bring more female to boards today because the diversity it's so important to hear different opinions. Yeah. I have a board right now that has four female and three males. And it's a different dynamics than an all-male board. It's just a whole different dynamic. Yes. It's important. And I think this is part of why Sanitize is on a, on a path to success. Diversity is important. Uh, yeah, I fully agree. And in terms of frustrations, Gilly, what does upset you? What, what annoys you? What frustrates you? And how do you deal with all that frustration? I get upset when... I don't know things that I should know. So my team know I, I need to be informed. If something is going wrong somewhere in the company, tell me. Don't wait. I used to get upset with how men would treat me in certain situations and all kind of comments uh, that I got. But I, I think that I just got used to it. And, and you just look at it as it is what it is. You make fun of it. Not too many things upset me. I, if I don't feel people are honest, that would upset me. If I don't feel that people are really giving their best to the task, that would upset me. I look at all these things as just challenging and let's see how we fix it. Let's see how we go. We get better at it. And what about the reverse? What makes you really excited and happy and, and jump for joy? Oh, every, every stride forward that we make makes me, makes me happy. It's, it's the little things. It's some good response from the FDA uh, trial design that I read that the team has come with. And I'm like, wow, that's such a great document. It's little things that the team would say, you know, in, in the last town hall, we had somebody our, our head of quality came and said, oh, I can take all these values that you're discussing and showing how they work in the whole process that we went with the company recently. It, it got tears to my eyes, really. It, it was so exciting to hear getting any approvals we get around the world to get a product to the market. I got the other day a note on LinkedIn from somebody that's really well known in the in the biotech industry saying, hey, I got COVID recently and I I was about to go to the hospital. I was really, really sick and I started using your product and 24 hours, I was so much better after 24 hours. And I, it, it's just, it makes you so happy that you really help people. And what else, if you were giving advice to other entrepreneurs out there, what are your kind of pieces of advice for how to keep going? So one of them is, as you've just described, you know, you have to celebrate or enjoy or really memorialize in your mind the good things. What other little inside techniques do you use? I think that you need to, to know that doing the hard thing is good for you. It will bring you forward. Look at these challenges as an opportunity to grow rather than a daunting challenge. And I think when you start looking at it that way, you're going to feel so much better about all the challenges that you have to tackle. As an entrepreneur, there are not a lot of things you can control, but you can control your mindset. If you can look at challenges in a different way and not as something that, oh, <laughs> I need to deal with it right now, but, oh, that's actually exciting. It's a new challenge that I have. And once I overcome this challenge, it will make me better. You always think that you know nothing, 
Assume that you know nothing. Be humble. It's, it's important because you will learn so much more if, if you assume that. And so rather than thinking about that I don't know something as a downer, turn it into an opportunity, an opportunity for learning. Exactly. Yeah. And that means really being uh, very open to asking questions and to be able to have some really good people around you. And those people don't think anything different of you. In fact, they think it's, it's actually a positive attribute that you're willing to ask those questions to learn and therefore to make decisions so much better and easier. Right. Asking questions is so important. The, the, we always talk with the team about just just ask as much as you can. Be curious. Saying I don't know is a good thing. You know, we had a full session about I don't know. What does that mean? And I said, when I hear I don't know, what I hear is I'm going to go and find the answer. Yeah. It's not just I don't know. And, and there's, you know, I, I can't, when my board is asking me about financials, I can't say I don't know. But in general, there are things that... <laughs> well, you could try. <laughs> Well, not put me in a good position. But I, I think that you just, it's okay to not know things. Yes. I, I often don't know, but I will go and find the best answer I can. Mm -hmm. So saying I don't know is very powerful and asking questions, it is a powerful tool. So if somebody wants to learn more about Sanitize or get in touch. Always feel free to get in touch with me. The best way is LinkedIn. Um, I do look at the comments from LinkedIn and if you want to connect, just tell me why you want to connect. I'll be happy to connect with people and, and answer questions and help wherever I can, because I know how many people help me along the way. And I would like to do the same. Well, Gilly, that's an excellent place to end our conversation. Uh, you've left us with so many wonderful concepts and ideas, and, and we really applaud you for all of your wonderful work that you're doing. And really, you are right. This could be an absolute game changer and a lifesaver for so many people around the world. Thank you so much for, for bringing me on. And I hope it would be helpful to some people to listen to this. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Well, Shelley, it was uh, brilliant for me to meet Gilly for the first time. I thought she was uh, a brilliant guest, full of energy and passion. But of course, you know her pretty well, don't you? Yeah, I, I've known her for a number of years, and she is a super person, a super CEO. One of the things that struck me in particular was this concept of values and the need to have established values in a company like hers that everybody agrees with and everybody buys into and everybody acts accordingly. So for that company, for Sanitize, they've established integrity, passion, teamwork, striving for excellence. And then the one that I love is undaunted. Yeah. What a brilliant word that is. It is. It is. And I think it, it both personifies uh, Gilly's approach, but it says, here's a company that's doing something totally different and is running up against a lot of people that say, no, this won't work. No, you can't do this. And, and they are undaunted. So I think that's a very inspiring value. And I, and I think she's spot on with the idea that the team, including new hires, need to understand and buy into values. I think that's, that's paramount. The other thing that struck me, actually, Shelley, was um, was her background in the military and the fact that she has clearly been through a 
set of training, let's say, in the military, which is all about leadership and being disciplined and being organized and being efficient in what you do. And as well, she she managed uh, children in the scouts as well. And, you know, no doubt patience is required for that, too. But it reminds me of um, some of the other guests we've had on the show. So in season one, we had Simon Billsbury, who also was from a military background, and he was talking about the leadership skills that he picked up. We had Ben Legg, who also was in the British military as well, and he spoke very eloquently about the uh, the qualities and the discipline and the experiences and the leadership you get from that background. So I think uh, for Gilly, it's been clearly something that she has fallen back on in her entrepreneurial career and is no doubt kept her in good stead over the past few years. Yeah, I think she's balanced very effectively the technicalities of leadership, if I can call it that, the discipline that she's gained out of those pieces of her background. But what she balances it with, and maybe it all does come under passion, but she says things like, you do the hard things because that's what makes you better. You need humility and you need to listen. And you need to be able to say, I don't know, but I'll find out. So these are all softer kinds of skills where balanced with the leadership, et cetera, that she gained from some of these other experiences makes her a very unique leader. She's got a PhD. She's a scientist in a very difficult field. And as she described, using nitric oxide in a way that lots of people say can't use it and they remain undaunted. Thanks for listening to Startup Sensations. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. Follow us on the Startup Sensations podcast LinkedIn page and watch video highlights on our YouTube channel. We love hearing your feedback and questions, so get in touch. Email hello at startupsensations.com. You can message us or send a voice note on WhatsApp. You'll find the number in the description. The Startup Sensations Podcast.